We're in John chapter 6. We'll be finishing up chapter 6, which is quite a lengthy chapter. Uh, Jesus has declared in chapter 6, I am the bread of life that come down from heaven. And he does this six times in this chapter. When I try to teach uh, and reach you people in my sermons, I will try to make my point once or twice, expressing my thoughts in different ways and words. But Jesus, in a brief teaching to his fellow Jews, a short teaching there in the synagogue at Capernaum, he's very direct. And he, six times he says, I am the bread of life that came down from heaven. And then verse 54, he has a conclusion. Whoever eats my flesh, drinks my blood, has eternal life. Now the rabbis of Jesus' day would teach and they would quote one another. And whoever happened to be... Uh, the rabbi of uh, being received, they would usually quote that rabbi. But Jesus teaches in a different way, in a different style. And he taught with authority. Jesus in his teaching in chapter 6, there at the synagogue of Capernaum, he states in uh, the verses, verse 26, he says, Most assuredly. Verse 32, most assuredly. Verse 36, I say to you. Verse 47, most assuredly. And then 53 again, most assuredly. Not only is Jesus teaching with authority, but his teaching is revolutionary to the ears of this Jewish crowd. And he says, you, my fellow Jews... You've got to undergo a change. You've got to turn away from the law and the Jewish doctrine that your rabbis and scribes have given you. And unless you hear and believe that I have been sent by my Father in heaven, you will not have life in you. There's no life apart from me. But Jesus' words are so contrary, they're so uh, against what they have previously learned in their Jewish doctrines that these Jews have grown up under the Mosaic law and change is difficult for them to receive. So let's read verses 60 through 71 of John 6. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? And when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, Does this offend you? What then if, I, if you should see the Son of Man ascend into heaven where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning 
who they were who did not believe and who it was that would betray him. And he said, Therefore, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my Father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve, and one of you is a devil? He spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was he who would betray him, being one of the twelve. The disciples and many of the people declared to Jesus, you're speaking hard words for us to understand. You're teaching who can understand it. And Jesus simply asked, does this offend you? And today, when we read the passage of chapter 6, we can find it, it offends us. And we find it hard to understand. And the disciples of Jesus, his 12 and others, they begin to murmur. The disciples... They're pondering, they're trying to reason this out, they're trying to accept, trying to assimilate the words of Jesus. And Jesus simply says, if my words offend you, what if you were to see me ascend back into heaven? And this is another reference that Jesus came down from heaven. The disciples and the people are having difficulty believing Jesus is God standing right there among them. At this time in Israel, there were many false messiahs, and they attempted to pull the people to themselves. They attempted to draw crowds to themselves. And isn't that true today? There's actually hundreds of men out there who claim to be Messiah today. So how do we separate false Christ from the true and living Christ? Well, God has given us his Holy Spirit. And he says of his Holy Spirit, he will lead us into all truth. The Holy Spirit testifies of Jesus, declares Jesus to everyone who believes. His spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The Holy Spirit is just like Jesus. So we have no need of proof of who Jesus is. The proof is down within us. For Jesus, God the Father, and the Holy Spirit all proclaim the deity of Jesus. You can tell a false cult and other non-Christian religions by what they do with Jesus. What do they do with Jesus? Jesus simply and plainly said, the only way to a relationship 
with God the Father is through myself. The only way you can come to the Father is through me. And the words of Jesus, they're spirit and they're life. And it's that plain and it's that simple. One thing as a Christian you cannot be flexible about is who Jesus is. There's no flexibility on that one. Jesus is the foundation of our faith. So don't entertain for a moment even any teaching that tells you, well, Jesus was, he was a prophet. He was a good man beyond his years. And there's religions out there that call themselves Christian religions, i.e., like the Mormons. They will even make Jesus Savior. But they also make Satan the brother of Jesus. And that Jesus simply had a better plan of salvation than Satan. And that thought and those words are blasphemy. In verse 64, Jesus demonstrates his deity by speaking of foreknowledge. He knew the hearts of men. He knows the hearts of men today. Verse 65, then Jesus, one more time, he makes the path of eternal life more narrow. No one can come to me unless God the Father has granted it. Apart from the work of believing being given by God the Father, there is no believing. We, mankind in and of ourselves, cannot cross that chasm of unbelief without Jesus being given to us, granted to us by God the Father. Many of the followers of Jesus, his disciples, they hear his words and they go back. They went back. They returned to their old beliefs of the law and they walked with Jesus, came to him in crowds. Crowds that was, you know, showing the popularity of Jesus. They no longer follow him. And basically, Jesus has separated the sheep from the goats. Believers from non-believers. Whenever I pray for an unbelieving friend or relative, <clears throat> my prayer is for God to open their eyes of understanding. Make it plain to them, Lord, and give them a believing heart. The thing that separates believers from unbelievers is simply our free will. Jesus has spoken truth. <clears throat> now the decision of life and death lies within the heart of each and every individual that has heard him. And for most of this Jewish multitude... They go back to the comfort of how they were raised. 
going back to what they were raised upon. And that even happens today in many circles. Many children simply following the belief of their parents, never testing for themselves if it's real or if it's true. Each and every person must believe for himself. In the Jewish law, they took comfort in its rules and regulations, the sacrifices. They took comfort in the fact that they were God's chosen people. But yet today, in the Jewish faith, we still see them rejecting Jesus to the dismay of God the Father. God leads each and every individual. He led the Jewish people right up to the brink of believing. The Holy Spirit has worked in their hearts. This multitude are following Jesus. But you know our Lord and God, he is a gentleman. And he will not force himself upon any man. And he won't force Jesus upon any man. So what we believe and how we believe is the most paramount decision you will make in your life. God requires, he presents the truth to us, but he requires that we believe. And he never forces himself on any man. Verse 67, we have Jesus exposing the heart of the 12 disciples. And he says to them, do you want to go away also? Simon Peter steps forward and answers Jesus, Lord, to whom shall we go? Your words are words of life. In another gospel, Jesus tells Peter, you didn't come to this conclusion in and of yourself, but my father revealed the truth to you. And this was Peter's greatest moment. His greatest moment as a disciple is when he declares who Jesus is. But all Peter is doing is speaking from a position of belief This has been given to him by the Father. The most we can be is obedient to our Lord and obedient to the work he has given us to do. And that work is believe. Simply believe. Give you a little confession. There have been times... In my years as a minister, I've been in, disappointed uh, in ministry, the duties of ministry, disappointed in you people. Yeah. And I have told the Lord, that's it. <laughs> I never bargained for this kind of treatment. Nobody loves me. think I'll eat worms and die. Then I consider my thoughts and consider my words. 
and I really can't quit ministry. I cannot walk away. Because then I'm faced with, what will I do now? Then I creep back into the grace of God by praying. I did not really mean it, God. Take me back. But like Peter, I have come to believe and know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And I have no place to return to. I have nowhere to go apart from Jesus. For Jesus only has the words of life. Perhaps you've considered stepping back. This Christian walk is full of trials and tribulations. This maturing process in the Lord is, it can be tough. Has Jesus asked you, do you want to go away also? Perhaps. Jesus has been straightforward with the disciples. And he's straightforward with each and every believer. And I thank God for drawing me to the truth of Jesus and giving me eternal life. And everyone here that's born again can say the same thing. Thank you for life in Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer.